Hello, everyone, and welcome to Connected. Today, I'm really, really excited about our guest. Um, if you don't know Alan, then that means you're probably fairly new to our church, but Alan has been around um, City Collective and was around from pretty close to the inception. Um, he was one of the first worship pastors, or the first, I guess, worship pastor that we had, and um, he just helped craft a vision and a culture of worship at our church that um, we're still reaping the benefits of, honestly. And we, uh, we're we just so thankful for everything that Alan did in our church. And unfortunately, he doesn't live with us anymore. He lives in Alabama. Um, but you're going to hear kind of some about how he's been doing and what he's up to um, and all of that stuff. And as talented and as gifted as Alan is in worship and just guiding a music ministry, um, he is someone who is just an even better person and friend. And so I'm really, really excited to talk with him today. Um, Alan, how are you doing? What's up, Rex? Thanks, man. Um, it's an honor to be here. I'm good. Um, those are kind words. Uh, I, I'm thankful to be able to talk to you. Um, I was thankful to be able to lead lead worship for Easter. I miss you guys a lot. I miss Chattanooga a lot. I miss Mean Mug a lot, you know. Yeah, all the good stuff. definitely. I miss it too. I miss being there. Um, <laughs> I can still drink the coffee, but definitely not the same. So um, for those of the listeners who may not know, um, you live right now in Coleman, Alabama. Is that right? That's right. That's it, dude. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what kind of brought you to Coleman, and uh, what are you doing down there? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I moved down here um, beginning of the year. Um, I think my lease started actually on January first. So, right at the beginning of the year, um, I, it was a hard decision. I didn't want to leave Chattanooga at all. Honestly, what kept me in Chattanooga after I graduated college was City Collective and the fact that I had such a, a beautiful church family there um, and really loved my role um, in, in leadership and in um, worship and music and stuff like that. But um, I'm sure a lot of the City Collective family um, knows that I've been dating Sarah Smith for a long time now, almost three and a half years. Um, and she went to school in Mississippi. And um, so we were doing long distance for about two, two and a half years. Then when we graduated, um, she's from here in Coleman, Alabama. So she came back home to live with her family, um, which we were, I mean, it was difficult. Like, man, we're graduated and we're so long distance and we, we want to start, um, you know, we want to uh, get engaged and get married. But um, I, I chose to stay in Chattanooga. She chose to come here and it worked out for, for the remainder of the year. But then in October, we ended up getting engaged, um, which was great and exciting, but just created a whole new um dynamic to our relationship obviously we wanted to start premarital counseling we were trying to begin planning a wedding um talking to her parents a lot my parents a lot thinking through the logistics of everything um and then on top of just wanting to be closer to each other we had a lot of a lot to work on and it was difficult to do that with me being two hours from her um so i think i decided sometime in november that i was going to move which was again just a very hard decision i didn't really know what i was going to do for work um I don't yeah, have definitely. really any friends down here, um, or I didn't, you know, except for her family, which is kind of a scary thing, too. It's like I don't want to just necessarily go and um, only hang out with her family all the time. Well, I was excited to spend more time with them, and I really, you know, see that as an opportunity to, to love them and um, bless them as much as I can. But anyway, it was a hard decision, but I knew it was for the best, and I wanted to choose Sarah as she was going to, you know, she's becoming my wife in nine days. Um, I, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I wanted I wanted to, to begin by, you know, showing her that and that I love her and wanted to choose her. So that's why I moved. It's a long answer. Yeah. No, no, no. I appreciate it. And I think that there's probably 
a number of people in the family who probably don't know all the details even. Um, yeah. And so it's helpful just to hear you talk about it. And I think that unfortunately in whether it's business or church or both, um, sometimes when, when people leave, we just don't really get like the full closure that we need. And so I think that it's really, really valuable to just yeah. hear you talking about that. Um, so what's it like? Obviously you said you're getting married in nine days. Yeah. What has that process been like in the midst of a COVID-19 world? I mean, what are y'all's plans for that? What is, what has all yeah. of that been? Dude, it's wild. Um, so we, from the get-go, even before we were engaged, we had agreed that we, the most important thing for us in, in, in a wedding, in a wedding ceremony, reception, um, was the people who were there. And so we decided that we were going to sacrifice certain um, luxuries, if you will, for the sake of having a lot of people at our wedding. Um, so we were in the, pro again, right when all this happened, we were in the process of sending out invitations and we were, we were inviting around 350 people to our wedding, um, which is, you know, massive. Is that, any, is that just wedding. your extended family? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually just our immediate family. Yeah. Um, yeah. For anybody who doesn't know, I, uh, I'm the oldest of seven kids and Sarah is one of eight kids. Um, so both of our families are large, but anyway, so 350 includes the extended family, but it's not just limited <laughs> to that. Indeed. 350 was, yeah. Friends, family, um, extended, extended family. Um, so anyway, that, that was just our priority. That's what we wanted. And so that was what we were kind of orienting our whole, um, planning around was having a lot of people. So needless to say, when, uh, you know, the, the middle of March hit and all this started happening and the government, federal and local started putting restrictions on gatherings we we had to sit down with some you know some really hard conversations and some tears and just some surrender to god and realize that we were going to have to give up what we had envisioned in a lot of ways and that's still hitting even even today i mean last night different conversations that we're having just like things that we're having to get up uh, sorry give up um and and let go of it's just been difficult and and you know it's been a great practice in uh humility learning to to, to keep the main thing the main thing and understand that God is in control and that he loves us no matter what. And that the most important thing about our marriage is our covenant before him and, um, and before our families. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been strange. Um, being, obviously, we've gotten great practice in, in decision-making together um, and, and yeah. discussing difficult things before our, our, our marriage. But um, it, it's been very difficult, to be honest. Um, totally. There have been good things about it, seeing God in the, in the middle of it. Um, learning how to communicate with each other on a deeper level. Um, but it's been, it's just unprecedented. I mean, it's kind of hard to even process and wrap my head around now. I think I'll be able to look back in a few months and kind of understand more what was going on. It's just been like, oh, we have to make this decision and do this and change this. And oh, crap, now we're getting married in two weeks. And, and there's still a lot of unanswered questions. So anyway. Yeah. No. So what is the plan then? Yeah. <clears throat> so the plan is just immediate family, which still is like 30 people. Um, but what we're going to do, I mean, we really, we sat down, it's, it's at her parents' house. So we want to honor them and their space. We want to honor the government. The government has asked that in Alabama that no more than 10 people, um, gather together. And her parents have said, and her dad's a medical professional. He's an emergency room doctor. They've asked, um, that we honor that and that we really try to be careful. So we're going to have both of our families, but we're going to make sure basically that our families kind of stay separated. So it's the wedding's outside. So it'll be more or less two groups. So it's like my family's a group of 10 and then her family's a, a group of 10. And then we have a couple um, 
bridesmaids and groomsmen that are still coming. And so they'll just kind of stand six feet apart from each other um, to honor the, the social distancing requirements. And then uh, for dinner, we're just going to get it catered um, and, and have everything kind of on plastic china and make sure that whoever sets it out is wearing gloves and a mask and, and whatnot. So it's weird. I mean, a lot of different yeah. things I've had to think of that you wouldn't have to otherwise, but we're, we're making it work. No, definitely. Um, I'm glad that y'all still get to at least do it at nine days, you know, like still get married. Um, yeah. That is definitely something that I can't even imagine walking through. And it well, sounds and like, I, go ahead. I was going to say, we had to sit down and talk about that a couple weeks ago and say, okay, is, do we, do we want to move forward and get married right now? Would we rather wait so we don't have to give up a lot of these things? Um, and would we, do we want to get married right now, even if it means potentially that it's like just our parents there, you know, cause we, right. we didn't know what would happen. I mean, everything has been changing so rapidly and we just agreed that, that we would rather, we would rather be together, be married than, than not. And that we want to do it now. <clears throat> and we, you know, we prayed about it and felt like the, that the Lord has really blessed the whole process, even with all the changes. And so we decided to move forward as is. Definitely. And so it sounds like something that you've kind of maybe had more tangible experience or earlier experience than a lot of us on is kind of going through this process and having to kind of see whether it be a dream or um, a scenario that you envisioned, like kind of starting to die in some way um i think that like a lot of us are experiencing feelings of loss and grief and lament over just dreams that seem dead or dreams that seem like if they're not dead they're at least paused indefinitely with uh maybe being the best answer we can provide for them on whether or not they'll happen again what has kind of helped keep you grounded because i mean for so many people especially our age like wedding is like the biggest day of our lives and um with that comes so many expectations and ideas and dreams that probably in some ways have it feels like this dream wedding has had to die in some ways so how have you kind of processed that and walked through that but also kind of like seen god in that okay it's a big question um it's a good question there have been a lot of different ways, and I think I can approach answering this question from a couple of facets. Um, and one, I think um, I'll start with just like be- between me and Sarah, and then I'll kind of talk bigger picture and just personal reflection. Um, yeah, for sure. So with, with Sarah and I and with her family, I've just been <laughs> having to go back constantly to the verse in Ephesians that where Paul instructs husbands to lay down their lives. For their, for their wives as Christ did for the church. And the more I've thought about that and like been able to, or I've been given opportunities to live it out practically, the more I've realized just how of a call that is and how um, it's unlike anything else. You know, I'm, uh, I had a pastor friend of mine tell me recently that marriage is not about holiness. And, and holiness involves dying to yourself and laying yourself to Jesus. And letting go of the things that you might want um, or desire. So, yeah, I mean, there are there are multiple things. Like, you know, last night, um, just kind of thinking. Um, last night, uh, just kind of thinking that I wouldn't get to have um, a first dance with my mom, probably. Um, 
that was a really difficult thought. Um, or, you know, thinking, hey, I might not even be able to hug my grandparents because I haven't seen them in a while and I don't want to expose them to, to anything. I want to protect them. Um, that is like really hard for me to to grab onto. And as Sarah and her parents were suggesting that that's probably what needed to happen. Um, I just I wasn't there. Like <laughs> I wasn't feeling it. I was like, man, I think I'd rather hug my family and risk it, you know, which might be totally or not caring. Um, but I want to respect my soon to be wife. I want to respect her family and I want to um, honor them in any way that I can. And so just that tangible way um, to practice that act of self-denial has been really huge. Um, and yeah. then as far as just the, the lamenting side of things, um, honestly, it's been like just trying to be incredibly prayerful, um, to set habits in place, like every morning getting up and spending time with God before I start work or before I start wedding planning so that I'm able to, to stay grounded in the Bible and stay focused on God and, and, and be aware of his presence with me throughout the day. Um, because otherwise it would, I mean, it'd make me angry, make me sad. And I would just be kind of seeing the, seeing my, my wedding of this season of life in that light, which I don't want to do. Because totally. I understand that God has has good plans, and in order to actually like recognize what I'm what I am having or what I'm not having because of this, and surrender that to Him, um, I just I need to keep my eyes fixed on Him. So trying to do that consistently has been very helpful. Yeah, and it sounds like you've been able to do it really really well. Um, I mean, it's just like even hearing you talk, like the the tension between. God having really good plans for us and wanting really good things. And then the fact that things happen and it's not just that things happen. It's it's that things happen that are kind of out of line with how we thought things were going to go or how yeah. we wanted them to go. And it's like dealing with the things you talked about, like anger and sadness. And a lot of times we can't really control the the responses we feel towards these things, but it sounds like you've kind of put some really healthy things in place to at least process the things that pop up when they do happen. Yeah, I think so. And it's, again, I kind of feel like I'm flying by the seat of my pants, but, <laughs> but at the are. same time, I mean, it's just constant, constant surrender. I mean, that's the, the best thing. It's so interesting, bro. Honestly, um, I'd forgotten about this until just a minute ago, but sometime, I think it was in February, um, I was in my time with the Lord and just talking to him and praying. And I, I kind of felt the Lord ask me um, if I was prepared to give up a lot of the things in life that, that make me comfortable. Um, and, and I was like, like, sure. Yeah. Like if you asked me to, and I thought that was almost like, you know, cause Sarah and I really care about missions and that's something we're seriously considering doing um, long-term. And so I, I, you know, I was like, Oh, well maybe God's just trying to help me. Um, you know, get in that place slowly, <laughs> slowly. Right. Slowly. Yeah. But anyway, like, and then thinking, you know, a few weeks after that, like, oh my gosh, like I'm really having to, to not only surrender, like going out to eat and hanging out with friends and, you know, going to see my family, which I've been doing a lot this year. Um, but I'm having to like surrender my vision and expectations for, you know, one of the most important days of my life. Um, and trust that, that God is in control, even when I feel completely out of control and like certain things are being taken away from me. So, um, it just also to me shows the kindness of the Lord to meet us in these moments of vulnerability, um, and, and, and never forsake us, even when, when the world kind of feels like it's falling apart. Definitely. So you said that there's this moment where God, you kind of felt God prompting you like, Alan, like, are you willing to give up some of these things that you're comfortable with? And part of that was in 
in light of what y'all were considering after marriage? Have y'all thought any more just kind of about after marriage? Is it something that's hard to plan because of COVID-19 or what does that kind of look like? Yeah, um, it's definitely a big question mark, but we're still, um, so I think some of um, some of the city collective community knew this, but I don't know if everyone did. Um, there is a organization called Youth with a Mission. Um, it's a global mission, missions agency, and they have a nine-month Bible school um, that's specifically focused on training you to be able to teach the Bible to people who have no context for it. Um, so <clears throat> basically being able to go to, to third world countries, to go to places in the, the 1040 window, which is like Asia and the, and the Middle East, where there are a lot of people groups who have never heard the name of Jesus or understood the Bible. And so this school is oriented around um, training you to to understand the Bible better, but also be able to communicate it on a very base level. Um, and so Sarah and I had um, been planning to do that. Um, and it's in the school is located in Montana. Um, and so we're still planning to do that. We're in the process of filling out our applications for the school and doing our forms and stuff. But we don't really have any idea how that's going to play out necessarily. Um, because of because of the virus. So we'll see. But that is still our, our tentative plan as far as the next step. Okay, cool. Um, that sounds really cool. Hopefully that's something that becomes accessible relatively soon. Um, I know everything for so many people is up in the air, but um, hopefully that's something that y'all can kind of do. Maybe even there's like a solution if it's online-based or who knows what will happen with that. But um, that is really, really cool. So is music kind of, What's music like for you right now? Because obviously you were the worship pastor and um, you kind of led our music ministry. And that was a big part of like your um, just contribution and things that you did here when you were in Chattanooga. So what's that look like for you now? It's um, I miss music a lot. I'm not playing very much, which is it is sad in a way. Um, I think it's been nice kind of to have a break because I was doing it so much for, um, you know, two, two and a half years, but I, yeah. I really miss it. That's a huge part of, of who I am. Um, and a huge way that I express myself to people and to God. Um, and so I've definitely still been, um, recording some things at home and just playing my guitar in my room. Um, I had an opportunity to lead worship at a youth camp with my sister, Kimber, uh, in February, which is awesome. Um, but even just getting to, to lead worship last, uh, last weekend, I guess. Yeah. For Easter. Yeah. For, for City Collective was amazing. I mean, even though it was remote and I was still sitting in my room doing it, it just definitely, like, every time I do worship leading or I play music, there's something in my heart that's kind of reawakened that I easily forget about. Um, mm. So I don't really know what it looks like moving forward or what role is going to play in my life, but I have repeatedly um, just seen the Lord pull me back to it and, and prove to me that it's something he wants to use in my life. And so I'm just trying to hold it with open hands and and be willing to let it take a backseat for now if it needs to, but but also be ready to to let it come to the forefront again um, and just kind of stay prepared and keep my <laughs> keep my skills up to par. Yeah, no. And so I don't even think I know the answer to this question. Um, was music something that was always part of your life or like, when did you start playing music and when did it kind of really become a passion? Yeah, well, I grew up around music. My dad works in the music business in Nashville. Um, and so I always had kind of a familiarity with it, I guess. Um, I really decided I wanted to start learning instruments on my own when I was about uh, 11 or 12. 
And my, my first main instrument was drums. Actually, I, I got a drum set when I was 13. Um, and then I, I started playing drums at church and at youth group. And I did that all throughout high school playing, um, almost every week. And then really, I didn't, I would like sing and play guitar and play piano by myself, uh, like in my room and stuff at home, but I never really did it, um, in front of people or led worship very much at all until I was about 18 or 19. And then I did it some at a, a ministry school I did before college. And then I did it some at college. But honestly, I had never led worship on a consistent basis until I came to City Collective. And so growing up, your dad in the music industry, playing drums, all of that, um, even hearing you talk about like what music kind of how it reawakens something in your heart. Um, what do you think has just like been the most impactful thing of music for you? Is it just something you feel in your soul or is it something about like the composition of it or what, what is it for you that um, has music like taking a special place in your heart kind of? Hmm. Man, it's a beautiful question. There are a lot of things I could say. Um, I do. Okay. Again, a couple, couple facets here. I love the way that music without lyrics or vocals, even music itself can communicate emotion. Um, it can trigger memories. Um, it can create memories. You, you know, it, it, like there's like this association with music and other, um, you know, other senses like sight or smell or just, just being present in a certain place. That to me is incredible. That, that sound, that you can make sounds that harmonize together and work together to create something beautiful and then also allow you to have um, an experience that is bigger than even what you're hearing. Um, and so uh, that, that's part of with drums. Like, I absolutely love rhythm. I love beats. I love creating them. And I love the way that, like, certain grooves and beats um, can just create, like, this just deep gut feeling um, you know what I mean? It's hard to explain, but you know what I'm talking no, about. No, right? totally. I um so I am someone who struggles a lot with really like pressing into emotions of sadness or okay. um lament or anything like that, but for some reason I love sad music. And I think that it's because it it it's almost like training wheels for me in the sense of I don't really know how to process the sad emotions I'm feeling a lot of the time, but sad music like helps me channel those feelings and feel them and process them and then kind of pause them or put them like, or end them when the song is over, if that makes sense. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely get that from listening to music, but then also from playing it and then be also like, I love writing music. Um, I've written quite a bit of instrumental stuff and also I, you know, I've written songs with lyrics and melodies, um, but being able King of to creation might've heard of it. <laughs> Being able to to craft that and like just kind of let the creativity flow from my heart and my mind into my you know my fingers as I'm playing guitar or piano um, or my voice as I'm creating a melody is just it's it's a really beautiful thing and it's kind of like anyone who has a craft or a trade I mean God God is a creative God who made us in His image to be creative beings and and part of working um, I was just thinking about this yesterday like. I think sometimes in America we have a poor idea of work because work um, mm -hmm. necessitates financial gain. When like the way that right. God created us to created uh, created us to work 
um, was to be creative and to use our hands and our minds and our abilities in order to produce something good that is glorifying to him and satisfying for us and, and edifying to the people around us. And so music for me is, is that it's an outlet that I can glorify God, that I can express myself and that I can hopefully edify the people around me. And so that's the other thing I was going to say. Um, I, you know, the, it's just beautiful to me how often the Bible tells us to, to enter the courts of God with praise and thanksgiving and to use the symbol um, and the harp and the lyre and to, you know, create song, songs and psalms in our hearts and with our mouths, worshiping God. And that I, I've had the privilege to be able to do that. Um, and I think some of the most incredible compliments I've ever gotten about music or about worship leading have been, you know, when people have come up to me and said, like, man, like, the presence of God was so tangible in this room today, and I knew that he was here. Yeah. All people have said, like, um, I really needed to remember God's character about this, or I needed to remember that he was with me in this, and the songs we sang helped to do that. Like, that means the world to me, you know? Like, I don't I don't care as much if someone's like, man, your voice sounded amazing, or, or your guitar playing was great, or whatever. Like, I, I want people to experience and encounter the living God through what I do. And when that's happened, it's just, it's made everything worth it, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So... As someone who has spent some time as a worship leader and who obviously hearing you talk about it, like you love people being able to enter into the presence of God and worship. Um, how have you kind of been able to worship through this season of self-quarantine? Because obviously, like some of the most tangible and powerful moments are when there's a communal body lifting up their voices together to God. Um, and we there's just something about it that it's hard to replicate when we're in self-quarantine but i yeah. don't think that that means that it has to be totally absent right so mm -hmm. how have you been able to um worship through this and then maybe even if i could have your opinion so for someone like me who's not gifted musically um how could i kind of enter into expressions of worship in this in this time too it's a great question i love it um <clears throat> i mean obviously there are a lot of live streams and videos and stuff that are amazing technology what it can provide us and, and bring to our to our houses, um, to our living rooms is, is really incredible. And I would definitely, I mean, I've been taking advantage of that and I would encourage people to do the same. I mean, even like while I'm sitting working all day long, I mean, I, a lot of days we'll have worship music on in the background just to try to fill my mind and um, my heart with truth and with scripture and with keeping my eyes fixed on, on Jesus. And so using that is, is really powerful and, and um, a good thing. But um, one thing I've been doing with Sarah's family, every Sunday we'll get together for an hour or two. Um, usually we do it outside. Um, I don't know if not everybody has the ability to do that, but just getting together with people that you are quarantined with or people that you're still spending time with, um, or even doing it with people, you know, five to 10 people at a safe distance. Um, and just like, if you have somebody that can play guitar and sing, just sit down and do it and make it super unstructured and and fill it with with prayer um, and, and even scripture reading. But like it's been really liberating to realize that church does not have to be a structured program that looks really slick. Um, I mean, I think about Paul being in prison and uh, and Peter and, you know, different people that in the Bible where they were in prison and they just started singing and worshiping God right there in the jail cell. You know, we don't know if they could sing well or not. I mean, the Bible doesn't give us those those details, but like they chose to to worship God and 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 invite his presence through um, worship wherever they were, wherever they happened to be, whatever circumstance they were in. Um, and so anyway, just for me with with Sarah's family in this season, that's been really beautiful and really powerful to be able to sit there 
and worship God and do so in a way that is just, um, un, uh, you know, unstructured and unprogrammed. Um, and I think it's really good for us to learn how to do that. And so whether we're sitting with a phone or whether we're sitting with other people on a guitar um, or whether we're just going about our day and humming a melody um, in our mind to God, um, it's just it's really beautiful and really powerful. And I think it helps us to realize how have very structured ways of doing it in America. Yeah, and I think that, like, for me, I know, one of the things that is kind of like a barrier to that so often is this fear that I can't do it because I'm not good at it. And I think that, like you said, like looking back at, like, Scripture and just seeing that um, that really wasn't a qualifier and that it wasn't something that stopped people and there there was no like yes it's great to have um people who are talented and people who have beautiful voices and like them using their giftings and um even to have like structure to support all of that is so great but i think sometimes we let it be too much of an impediment i know for me at least i do um it it's like a false kind of dichotomy that it's something that i can only do if i feel like i'm good at it and just like breaking down that lie in this season i mean even i mean even for me as someone who's married to like to sit and worship like on easter to sit and worship to your video with my wife it's like it's almost crazy how much i was aware of my voice not sounding good um and just how often kind of i feel like the enemy can like use those distracting things to um kind of take our attention away from like where it's intended to be put um so that's beautiful. Um, thank you, dude, for all of that and all that insight. Absolutely. I think I'll just say, too, like um, about that. That is one one aspect of our Western thought process that is detrimental at times is how I mean, there's such a huge focus in our world on um, on excellence, on uh, productivity, on, you know, positive output. Um, it's just the the business world and the business mindset that we adopt in a lot of ways is very focused on those things. Um, and I don't, you know, I just I don't see it th- that way portrayed in the, in the Bible. Um, I do think obviously we are called to um, pursue holiness, to be sanctified, to to use our hands and uh, do the things God has given us to do with excellence. Um, but God, God is not seeking a song from his people that is, um, you know, perfectly in tune and in pitch. He is seeking a song from his, his people that is full of hunger, that is full of love, that is full of passion and adoration for him. And that can be present whether we sing, sing on key or not. <laughs> so, so just realizing, you know, that's what I think God longs for in the hearts of his people more than, than a, a good performance. Yeah, so, man, even hearing you, like, talk about all of that it's just a a helpful reminder for me that the qualifiers i put in front of myself for worshiping god aren't necessarily the same qualifiers that god has for us and i just think of you saying things like hunger and passion and a desire to be near to god that those are much more important qualifiers than our ability to read a chord chart or play an instrument or um maybe not be tone deaf in, in in my case, I'm very tender. So, <laughs> Absolutely, uh, yeah. It's um, it's just one. It's just like helpful to kind of reshape or re refocus that that view, especially in this time, because I think that for so many people, 
um, we're maybe feeling like a, a void in terms of worship because we've been kind of deprived of the ability to come together and be led by people that we know. And it's just hard, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's definitely something that is helpful to remember when we're thinking of like, well, okay, what qualifies me to worship in this time? And all it is is a willingness to be in the presence of God. Um, and that's just so helpful to remember. But I am um, asking kind of everyone who comes on this, I know it's different for you because you live in Alabama, but we can reshape the question a little bit. So I've asked everyone, assuming that everything goes back to normal, once this quarantine is over, where's the first place they're going to eat in town when this all ha- kind of reverts back to normalcy? And so I'll ask it to you in a little bit different way. When we're back to normal and you come back to Chattanooga for the first time, because you will come visit, what is the first place, or the, maybe the place that you most want to eat at when you come back into town? Oh, man. I miss Chattanooga so much, dude. Like I said earlier, Mean Mug, oh, man, I know it's not necessarily... Well, it is a restaurant. They have lots of good food. And I, I would eat the the Mean Mug breakfast biscuits way too many times a week. Yep. Uh, that with, like, their, you know, just their drip coffee and my, my dirty mug, dirty mug club. Yep. Represent. That sounds amazing. Um, also, got to get some, uh, got to get some, um, what am I saying? Uh, why am I forgetting the name of it? The pizza restaurant in, on Southside. Southside Pizza? Is that what it's called? The one right there, um, it's like right by Highland Park, right by, uh, On Main Street. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Southside Pizza. Yeah. That pizza's amazing. I feel terrible. I forgot the name of it. It's all right. You said what's the south? What's the pizza place in Southside? <laughs> Southside Pizza. <laughs> Southside Pizza. That's yeah, the one. I love their pizza. So yeah. Pizza. Yeah. So good. now we all know if we're listening that when you come in town that we can go back to Southside Pizza and um, take you out to you and Sarah out to pizza when y'all come. Um, I know that I know we're all looking forward to it, and that's like so much of. I know my hope in this season is that there will be a time when we will be reunited with the ones we love. And there will be a time when we will get to gather together. And it's almost like those moments are going to seem a little bit sweeter because um, looking back at the countless meals that we had together, um, you and I spent time living together in an apartment and we ate a number of meals together and after church and all these things. And it's just crazy how we can take something like, gathering together with other friends and loved ones to eat for granted. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I know that I'm really, really looking forward to that. And I hope everyone else is just kind of on the back end of this. But Alan, do you kind of have anything that you just want to share or maybe um, just say to the people that are listening? um, You don't really get to talk to us too much anymore. So um, anything that you want to like, as a church, like City Collective, like want us to know or just say to us, um, just kind of like as we wrap up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll say a couple things, and I'd also love to pray for you for all um, before we before we go, if that's cool. Of course. Yeah, of um, course. Yeah, I think I'll just say I, I love you all so much, um, and I hope that, yeah, if, if anyone didn't get to hear why I left um, for some reason, I hope that this helped explain it, um, and I, I really— um, I think about City Collective. I think about Chattanooga. I think about um, all my friends and my my family um, up there. And um, 
yeah, I just uh, I can't wait to be able to come back up and visit. I can't wait to come and, and eat at some great Chattanooga restaurants um, and go hiking or, um, you know, do fun stuff like that. And then I also just want to want to encourage you all to um, to take heart and um, know that, you know, I, I, that God uses everything, every situation in our lives um, to to make us more like him, to to prove to us his character um, and I just, I'm reminded daily right now in this time in the world that, um, everything around us is incredibly volatile, but, um, the character of God is not and his love, his kindness, his promises never fail. Um, and so just want to encourage y'all to, to remind yourselves of that, to remind each other of that. Um, and to, yeah, just to, to stay rooted and grounded in truth. Yeah, man, that is really, really good. I think that's something that has been a theme for me just in this season of is God like is he still working in the things that he doesn't directly cause um yeah and is he still good in that and I think that you're right the answer is is yes and it's learning to come to a place that to remember that because so often we see Jesus saying like remember like do you not remember do you not remember um and I think it's just so helpful to hear conversations like this and to um kind of look back on on the words that we find in scripture and just remember like that's what it is like we we've known it at some point otherwise we probably wouldn't be here but um remembering that god is good and that he can work even in this like situation um yeah yeah so and also I know that, that you want his, his definition um of goodness is higher than we could possibly comprehend or fathom that's done it for me too. It's like my, what I think is goodness. God's definition of goodness is so far better than that. And that it's like constant learning, constant discovering what that looks like and what it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, man, well, thank you so much for hopping on and just kind of catching us up on what life's like for you and hopefully what it will look like sometime in the near future. Um, I know that we're really, really looking forward to seeing you again, but I know you wanted to pray for us to kind of conclude. Yeah. So if you wanted to pray um, and then we'll wrap up from there. So um, I'll kick it over to you to, to close this out. Sounds great. All right. Well, Father, thank you for Brooks. Thank you that he is um, hosting this podcast to help um, help us stay connected in this time where it's really easy to isolate, um, really easy to, to spend um, a lot of time to ourselves. Um, God, I pray that you would meet each one of us in in this um, in this time, especially when we find ourselves alone, when we find ourselves with not a lot to do. God, I pray that you would just encounter us in our living rooms, in our bedrooms, in our kitchens. Um, you would encounter us on walks, Jesus, that you would show us your, your presence, your kindness, your goodness, and that as we realize that and as we see things that we're used to having, used to participating in, as we see those things um, kind of taken away right now and just a lot of unanswered questions. God, I pray that you would, um, through your spirit, develop deep hunger in our hearts, um, that you would develop just a passion for you and for knowing you, um, for seeking your face and and, and um, understanding more of who you are, more of your character and your nature. And God, I just want to um, pray blessing over City Collective, uh, over Brooks and Matt, God, I pray that you would um, turn your face upon them, that you would give them peace and rest and grace in the season, um, that you would continue to bring unity to the church, um, even in this time where people aren't able to gather together. And God, we love you. We honor your name above all others. And it's in, in your powerful name. Amen. Amen. Well, Alan, thank you. Um, from, from Brooks and Alan, this has been Connected. We 
pray, just like Alan said, and as we always do, that in this time, that you would be sustained by the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus. Um, So thank you all, and you all have a great rest of your day.